Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Friday edition of the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Memorial Weekend on the docket. Hard to believe that we are at that time of year. Time flies when you're having fun. Spring has sprung. The grass is riz. I wonder where the birdies is. Thank you very much. Big Dog and a Coach up with you. Till 11 o'clock today, 58 minutes and 22 seconds of sports talk and more. Producer extraordinaire David Olson encompassed over on the other side of the room. He's got a seatbelt fastened that we remind everybody as we begin the show that your seat cushion can and should be used as a flotation device. A little bit of music and then we'll kick this sucker off. Thank you very much. We got to apologize right up the uh, off the bat. We were not in uh, yesterday, so we did play a replay show. If you tuned in yesterday and we sounded uh, maybe a day dated, well, it was because uh, neither myself or the big dog could make the show. Any of our emergency film was not able to make it either. So I do apologize in uh, pre cadence of yesterday's show. But we're back at you, big Friday show. Of course, we'll be off on Monday, but uh, plenty to talk about over the weekend, including. Including the Indy 500, that puppy snuck up on us. And uh, not only is he our football expert, are also our NHL hockey expert. Done a tremendous job, but along with his various stipends, he gets here at the two guys at a mic show. He's also our auto racing expert. If not a fan, the Indy 500 this weekend. We'll talk about that and some baseball, of course, other stories off the sports page. The big dog. Joel Redwanski checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. Big dog, how are you? Doing absolutely fantastic here in the beautiful city of Chicago. Woo! I'm absolutely loving it, Coach. Wow. This is honestly one of the most beautiful days ever. And uh, yesterday, we canceled our tour at Water Riders because it wasn't nice enough. What? Uh, Donnie saw a cloud, so he was afraid. Uh, that it might, it might, I, I got to, uh, Never mind. I didn't want to get started. All you I want to do is work, kidding. and all other people want to do is give me the day off. You got to be kidding. That's, that's absolutely brutal. The wind, it was hot, but the wind was blowing now. Kayaking, canoeing, and rowing, and then what Big Dog? If you're new to the show, Big Dog's talking about his actual paid job where he gives uh, tours of Chicago via the kayak. But Big Dog, when the wind is blowing, I always say you know bicycling uphill into the wind might be one of the most difficult physical tasks there can be. Uh, rowing or kayaking into a wind like yesterday happens to be absolutely brutal workout. Yeah, it, it's awfully tough. And uh, the best way I can tell you is if if you kayak, I would rather go upstream than go with the stream and have the wind in my face. Yep. I, I, I can beat water any day. Something about the wind in your face is ridiculous. And just when I'm biking, I will go up the biggest hill in the world. I'll go up that, uh, what's the, the street in, in San Francisco that has the most turns? Yeah, so, uh, I was there last year. Lombard, I should know that. Har- Lombard Street. What is it? Lombard Street. Yeah. Is that it, Coach? I Lombard? think it is. Yeah, that's exactly I would, it. I would, I would rather bike that up 
than deal with uh, 20 minutes of wind in my face as a, as a bicyclist. I'm not kidding. Yep. I don't know. I, the wind is not good, my friend. Mm-hmm. So maybe, well, you don't make any money, but maybe it was a good thing you got canceled yesterday because the uh, Chicago winds were out. But you are right. And, you know, I, you know, talking about weather, not great for ratings on Sports Talk Radio, but this might be one of the, the, the most sensational weather days that I've ever experienced. Just be it out this morning. It's unbelievable yeah. here in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's so, I mean, I, like, I walked out, and I'm like, is, is this Hawaii? Is this what Hawaii feels like? A nice breeze, <laughs> it's kind of warm. Oh, it's oh. important. Uh, so take advantage of it. Yeah, people. and just a tint like you would spice, you know, when you add just the perfect amount of spice to our particular food, whatever the particular food is, whatever the spice is, just, just enough of the cool air. Perfect complement to the warm weather this morning. It's just absolutely awesome. Big dog, the older I get, the more... This is going to sound corny again on a little prefabbed, but uh, the more I appreciate what you want to call the simpler things or, you know, just nature itself. And I find myself the last year or two, the last six months in particular, just thoroughly enjoying beautiful weather days. You know, well, you got to appreciate something when you're older. Okay? <laughs> it's probably right because a lot of our other joys have uh, gone by the wayside. Uh, yeah, well, wayside Thanks. or wayside. Take it easy. Thanks for pointing that out, by the way. Okay. Uh, just wondering. Just just wondering. <laughs> I, but, you know, like, when, when you're young, you got so much energy. You're always on the go, 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 go. When you get older, you got a little bit less to do. You're not moving as fast. You tend to realize. You notice stuff a little fast. Your brain isn't working as fast. Your body isn't moving as fast. So you tend to notice things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like if your brain's working a million miles an hour, sometimes your brain doesn't actually slow down to be like, hey, hey. That's pretty beautiful what you're looking at over there. Up until Joel started mentioning that, Dave, I was having a pretty good day. And all of a sudden, I'm kind of <laughs> getting a little depressed out here. But speaking of go, 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 there is an event coming up, Big Dog, that we have had absolutely no pre-talk about. And it's certainly, uh, well, you can differ with this, but I don't think it has the the uh, uh, um, tradition. Or, yeah, it's, it's just not as popular as it used to be, but the Indy 500 is this weekend, the marquee of all uh, race car, Indy car racing, and it's uh, this Sunday, Indy 500. we got to talk a little bit about that, but it does seem like race car driving has kind of disappeared, similar to horse racing, my sport, from the uh, commonplace athletic mind point. Yeah, Indy car has definitely fallen to the wayside. Okay, that is nowhere near as popular. NASCAR racing is a little bit less popular than it was like 10 years ago when mm-hmm. it was just like off the charts popular with like football NASCAR. I never knew how that happened, but it was. Well, uh, it's like no matter what happens, though, no matter if you go next week when there's going to be 50,000 people at the race and the week after that when there's 50,000 people, the week before there's 50,000, there'll be half a million people at, at, uh, at uh, Indianapolis. And it just happens that that race has never like – the Daytona 500 is the great American race, but like the Indianapolis 500 is like an international thing. People all over the world watch it, and still, just like, just like there's going to be 10,000 people at the next Cup game that are just going there to party that are from Iowa and Michigan and Indiana, that's exactly what happens at the Indy 500. I have diehard racing fans like Craig Butler, coach. They know every single NASCAR racer. They couldn't tell you one IndyCar racer besides like a handful that all of us know, mm-hmm. but yet they go every single year because that's what race fans do. They go to Indianapolis for Memorial Day weekend. It's just, it's ingrained in hundreds of thousands of people in America. They get in their trailers and they drive to India, Indiana this weekend. 
Now, I'll take it even a step further, and I know you've explained it to me in the past, but you know, if, if you're not refreshed, you forget. I'm not sure most of the fans, including myself, really can differentiate what is NASCAR and what is Indy Series. Are you being serious? You can't. Indy Series are open-wheel, open-chassis uh, racing. Okay. And, Indiana- and Daytona NASCAR racing is they drive a, uh, a Ford Taurus, a mm-hmm. Chevy Impala, and a Dodge Charger. But the- the, I forget what the Ford is. The Ford is something different. This, this, it isn't. It was the tourist for like one year, and it went back to what it used to be. But, but it's, it's, it's not like they're separate athletes, right? You do see most of the racers doing both? Absolutely not. Nobody does both. Really? There's no one does both. There was the last guy, Ryan Newman, is was was is the only guy. He used to do this thing where he would race in the Firecracker 400 mm-hmm. and then go to the Coca-Cola 600 on the same day. And it was a yeah, big I remember deal that. that a racer actually right. raced in an Indy car and a NASCAR in the right. same day. But no, no, they don't. There was a big deal when Danica Patrick left IndyCar to race okay. in the NASCAR. So the, Dan- the, 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 the ones with the big names, the uh, Tony Stewart's, the Danica Patrick's, the Dale Juniors, they're all NASCAR, and they don't. We won't see them in the Indy 500. No, no, not at all. Tony Stewart was a full-time IndyCar driver 15 okay. years ago, and then he realized that uh, there were he was the only douchebag in Indy, and he figured there was at least the Bushes. In NASCAR, so at least mm-hmm. he wouldn't be the only Jack Mo racing. So that's why he switched <laughs> over to NASCAR. Because as long as you, if you have Kurt and Kyle Busch and and Juan Pablo Montoya, uh-huh. then at that point you're just uh, just a handful of the regular Jack Mo's, and that's just the biggest uh, one. Is there going to be a coming up? We've had a few. When you use that term, it elicits some humorous response. Some of our listeners, one of them uh, asked about a week ago, is there going to be the Big Dogs Jack Mo Awards at any time during the year? Because this be an annual event. I, I, you know what, uh, my buddy John Morrison, whose nickname is Jack, we all call him Jack. I <laughs> yes. started calling him, you know, like, you know, A-Rod, I started calling him Jack-Mo. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, of the 15 people that heard it, 14 of them loved it, one person didn't like it. That was, that was John Morrison. Did not like being called Jack-Mo at all. I, I so. think a Jack-Mo award's given out every year. I personally would be <laughs> privileged and prestiged to be the MC of the Jack-Mo banquet. If that yeah, would be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I would love to. No, you would love it, Coach, because the guy can take a joke. He's the only one out of the, the, the group that can take a joke. It's funny, I was with this group the other day watching yeah. a, a, a Cubs game. Yep. And the whole entire time, we were laughing about the Cubs, joking, legitimately having a good time as they were losing 8-1 uh, to one to the Phillies and about to make a huge comeback. Okay, and, then, and, I, and I said something to the guys. I'm like, hey, do you remember when all of us were together at one time the last time we were all together? And somebody was like, yeah, yeah, we were watching the Cubs in the playoffs. At, we, we were over at uh, at the Wiz. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, we were in a bar drinking. Does anybody remember us laughing? And somebody's like, no, we were so serious. And yeah, like Ted Lilly threw his glove, blah, blah, blah. And we were just irate and angry. I was like, all of us have had a good time laughing about this team. So maybe we're better off the Cubs not being in the playoffs right now. Because we there was there was 10 of us just cracking up having a good time watching a Cub game, and they're 900 games out of five, uh, mm-hmm. below 500, and it's May still. Yeah, there, there, there's a column, uh, I forget who the columnist is, Chicago Tribune today, and the general theme of it is enjoy the season if you're a Cubs fan, but you're going to have to keep your sense of humor. Yeah, and he wrote it uh, you know, yeah. partly tongue-in-cheek and partly for serious. You know, you gotta you got to look 
very hard for the good, and you got to keep your sense of humor and try to enjoy the the, the little things, big dog, in this Chicago Cubs season because there's probably not going to be a lot of bad things. They're still on a nine game losing streak, right? Yeah, and uh, and I, I I'm <coughs> honest, coach. I, this is a big win, and you, you're going to be yeah, uh, whatever. To me, it's a must win. I do not want a double digit <laughs> losing streak. Really, yeah. you can, you can laugh at me about that. I do not want the Cubs going through a double digit losing streak. I know this is the worst team that they possibly have had since I've been watching the Cubs. And don't forget, there was the '97 Cubs, the '99 Cubs, the '02 Cubs. I mean, those are some bad, bad teams. The '86 Cubs, the '83 and '82 and '81 and '80 Cubs. Don't rub it in. Players. Let's just let's just say there is competition for uh, some of the worst teams they've had. You no, know, this is the worst one, Coach. I think you're right. Everyday lineup. We talked about that start to fight. I almost went into spasmodic, physical spasmodic reaction, Big Dog, about four days ago when all of a sudden Koye Hill. Now I knew we've been having, you know, trouble with our catcher's injuries. You know, Giovanni Soto gets injured. Steve Clevenger looks good. You know, hey, who's this guy? He's Alston hitting the ball, hitting 300 plus. He gets injured. Wellington Castillo, the fourth or the fifth, whatever he is, he gets Koye Hill. Our guy, Coy Hill, back in the lineup. I didn't read about it, didn't hear about him watching the game. All of a sudden, Coy Hill steps to the plate in the batting in the seventh spot. I want people to think about this. The top two catchers inside of a team's organization are 99% of the time on the major league level. The third is the triple-A catch starting catcher. The fourth best is your double-A starting catcher. <clears throat> you, don't, you know what I mean? You don't waste a guy that to be a backup in AAA just to put him at a higher level. You'd rather get him at that. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm getting at. So what I'm saying is right now the top three catchers for the Chicago Cubs organization are on the disabled list. So that means for a starting major league team, a double-A catcher is the starting catcher for the Chicago Cubs right now. And and, and Koye Hill is the backup, don't forget. Lolly technically, I don't know if Lolly is officially the starter during this whole time, but that's where that's where the Cubs are at right now. Mm-hmm. They're battling between a guy that doesn't belong in Major League Baseball. No offense, Coyle. Your story is incredible, and I really like you as a person. But uh, let's face it, if the Cubs are good, Coyle Hill will not be on the roster ever. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so there you have it. But, it's bad uh, is all I'm saying. It's, it's bad, yeah. folks. Yep. Now, getting back, I'm getting uh, dollar signs in the message machine here, by the way, the commander-in-chief. Chris Whitting, I think, uh, in today, our general manager, our fearless leader, at least that's what the script says, I have to put that in, and he's giving me a quick note, make sure Big Dog earns his racing stipend before we leave the Indy 500, Big Dog, you got to give us a little uh, perspective of what you might see. I know Ryan Briscoe is in the coveted pole position, a position that you have uh, is near and dear to your heart, but uh, does the favorite win or uh, Helio Castrovanus? And, of course, part of the big story is last year's champion, Danny Weldon. Yeah, no longer with us. So uh, earn your that, stipend. That, talk some Indy 500. That, it, it's, it's, that's all I've been thinking about with the Indy 500 is is uh, is Weldon because yep. that that's one of the these guys know the risk going in. You know what I mean? And uh, but to, to lose one of the few people, I'm not saying it would be at or better if you didn't know anybody, but it's it's kind of crazy that this sport had like five names that. People like I know, zero names or maybe one name, and that name would be Danny Weldon for the like the average to non-average sports fan knows. He was like the only guy people knows, and he's the one who dies in the car crash. Code. That does not help the sport. Yeah. Now, that did not happen at Indy. In fact, he no. was, he's the defending champion. Yes, that's there. That's, it's crazy. That's what we, that's, yeah. 
this is going to be an emotional moment when yep. they when they say uh, gentlemen start your engines. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some tears flowing in, in Indianapolis. Yeah, and I, I can't even imagine what it's got to be like for his family. Well, they're going to do a memorial. From what I understand, uh, there was some question from the wife. I don't know if she's bitter or if she just felt she could not handle it emotionally. It's been less than a year since tragically a uh, good guy Danny Weldon did die in a car crash. But there was question up until about four days ago, Big Dog, whether she would attend the Indy 500 where they are going to do a special ceremony for Dan Weldon. I did read that she is going to come with the family, but uh, that has got to be a tough moment. Yeah, it, it is. And, I, you know, it, I would back her choice no matter what in yes. that situation because you're talking about, like, the man you're going to spend the rest of your life with and then he's just ripped from you. So I... And I'm sure uh, the IRL in you know Indy Racing League will do it totally tastefully, and they won't. It won't be an opportunistic chance to promote their brand in order to act like they're uh, actually honoring someone. You know how a lot of sports do that. Yep. Hey, we're honoring someone. By the way, by Castro Motor Oil. You know what I'm saying? It's it, hopefully it's it's done in, in a completely tasteful way. Mm-hmm. Now we will see any Indy 500 uh, race car fans out there. If there is anybody out there, I know it's a small clientele, but uh, you know, listening to the show here, you want to check in, dial in, talk to our Indy. I almost said NASCAR, our Indy Racing Series expert, Big Dog Joe Radwanski, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. Last night went to sleep thinking a little bit about the Indy 500. Big Dog, first thought I had when I woke up this morning. Graham Rahal. I got a feeling Graham Rahal is going to pull up the victory and equal his father, Bobby, with the one Indy 500 championship. Now, I, I do remember Bobby Rahal won in 87, right, Coach? I couldn't tell you the year, but I know he's won once. It'll, it'll be 1987. The only reason why I know that, that was the year that I got Sports Illustrated. I remember reading the article about Bobby Rahal. That's, that's pretty <laughs> that's, sad, but that's how that's I know. unbelievable recollection, but okay. The year Bobby Rahal won, there was a, a gentleman, a spectator, in the last row of the grandstand, and after turn number three, a tire flew off one of the Indy cars. It bounced one time, shot up into the crowd, and hit a guy that was on the back of the grandstand yep. on the top row sitting there, yep. and a tire from, flew up and hit him right in the chest and not, obviously killed him. I remember that. Knocked him right off. Yep. So uh, when you go to a racing event, you know, it's a one in a hundred thousand chance, so you maybe left more than that, one in a million chance of you getting killed. But believe it or not, you might want to pay attention. It's kind of like going to a baseball game. If you go to a baseball game and you're within a hundred feet of home plate and you don't watch every pitch, well, you better not go there with children. Because mm-hmm. we see it all the time. People get nailed with stuff. So if you go to one of these events, there's no way I think I could ever be in the grandstands at a racing event, Coach. I'd have to be now, on the infield where it was safe. Having said that, uh, and I remember that incident, there was a few after that, but they have put safety regulations in the, the, the whatever, the plexiglass or the protective boarding that used to protect the fans is a lot higher than it used to be, correct? Yes, and it curves over, so there's less chance of stuff going into the crowd. Now, it was that wasn't an indie mandate. Mm-hmm. That was a whole racing track mandate. You know what I mean? Because let's face it, NASCAR and Indy share racetracks. So uh, like, that was one of my next questions. They do. So it's yeah. So and so like the the whole thing was every racetrack in America was like this is like NASCAR paid attention, IRL paid attention, and back then CART was still around. 
that was actually the big one. They paid attention because remember, CART and IRL would actually race in the Indianapolis 500, and there was this huge rivalry going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Back, you know, obviously racing is so big, right? I mean, so small compared to what it used to be. You can't have uh, you what you can't have like two different leagues right now in rivals. I mean, there, there, there's not enough money to go around. Uh, that was that was just a, a real ugly issue. Now that, now, and if you don't think the, what they did a good job, because they've done a phenomenal job uh, 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 making these fences stronger. Do you remember the Carl Edwards crash at the end of the 2010 Talladega? Oh my God! I could, after seeing that, I will never ever sit in the grandstand. I don't know how. Literally one person didn't die. I don't know how hundreds did not die. A bunch of people got scrap metal and injuries and like all kinds of real nasty stuff, but nobody died. You, you know, Carl Edwards basically got hit, flipped, and his car flew in midair, hit the top of the fence, and rolled on the fence for about a hundred yards, coach, flipping, and then hit the track again. Wow. And, and there are spectators like underneath the car. It is the most you've seen it before. But if you, whoever built that fence, I need them to come to my house and redo my thing. <laughs> that, cause I, that is to me the, the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in sports. I would put that fence not busting when it got hit by a, 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 a ton car going 200 miles an hour in like the top five of the most spectacular things I've ever seen. And cannot believe it happened. Are you are you aware of what I'm talking about? I'm so not, and I've ar- I've already marked down in my notes to YouTube Carl Edwards crash. What year was it? 2010. What Talladega? If you just, I swear to you, Coach, if you put in Carl Edwards, okay, one of the options will spring up Talladega crash. Okay, it is it is when you see, there'll be at least 10 million hits right. on the views. I'm not kidding you. I will check that out. And I hate to bring up the uh, potential grisly result, but uh, what would have happened? If the car would have gone instead of back on the track, over the fence. Oh, hundreds of people are dead. Wow. Hundreds, coach. Wow. Think about it. It was it's Talladega, yep. and with all NASCAR pretty much sells out. But like Talladega, Daytona, and Darlington. Okay, there there's a quarter million people that would have landed in a crowd. Think about a crowd where you have nowhere to run, and you have squeezed thousands and thousands of people into. I, I can't. I, I would say at least 100 people would have been critically or hurt or dead. Producer David Olson, our YouTube uh, expert over there. What do we got? How many hits? Oh, there are, there are 20 or 30 different ah. different ones, but the one that I'm looking at now has about 750,000 hits. But uh, Big Dog is correct. If you type uh, Carl Edwards into the YouTube search engine, it automatically fills in Talladega Crash as the first result. <laughs> Very interesting. And, and, uh, would, would you say spectacular is the right word for that particular crash, Dave? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It, lo- it, it looks like something out of a movie. It really, it, it, it really does. And now, I mean, honestly, would you think somebody in the crowd would have died after that? That, that? that fence is just whoever made that fence is a hero, and I'm not kidding when I say that. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Any Indy five hundred fans out there? We'll get to some baseball, other topics. Big dog talking about uh, uh, new safety changes. I want to get to another sport in a minute where they made some safety changes too, and get your opinion. But 
Before we move on for the Indy 500, Big Dog, and hopefully there won't be any crashes of the Carl Edwards sort back at Talladega 2010, do you have a uh, prediction, a guy that you think might pull out the victory? Who is um, uh, Mr. Ashley Judd? Who is Ashley Judd's husband? Oh, Dario Franchitti. Ah. I couldn't think of his name, and okay. when I jokingly called him Mr. Ashley Judd, it immediately hit All my All right. Well, he's running out of row six, so he's got a way to catch up. Dario Franchitti from the sixth spot. Also, by the way, in row six, and we should talk about uh, last year's unbelievable race, one of the more amazing things I've ever seen in sport, Big Dog. And that was, you know, we all remember Dan Weldon winning and now tragically passing away, but it was a rookie, J.R. Hildebrandt that had the lead at the end, down to the final lap. You remember? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a great story here. The rookies, you know, out of nowhere. I don't know what, if you're betting in Las Vegas, 100 to 1, 500 or whatever the odds on this kid were, one lap left and the rookies leading, and he, he made a dangerous maneuver, didn't he? Uh, I, I do believe, yes. He went low, didn't he? Yeah, instead of, it was, I believe, if memory serves me correct, he could have, just stayed front runner and coasted. He was in the lead. He made some kind of move. I don't know if dangerous is the word. Risky. When he didn't need to be risky. A rookie mistake. One lap left. In the biggest race of all time would have been, you know, a career maker for him. It's like the mm-hmm. golfers that are about to win their first major that just completely melt down last couple. And he, and he crashed on the last lap. And Danny, well, Danny Walden was able to coast through with the victory. Unbelievable. But J.R. Mm-hmm. Hildebrand is also in row six. That's not good. That's not good. <laughs> for who? Him or for Dario Franchetti? Oh, for everybody. Well, th- that will all be jacked up. All right. Nothing will be in line. I will say that if the difference between Indy racing and NASCAR, the biggest difference, obviously because the cars are structured differently, here's the biggest difference. You can't rub or bump or touch anybody whatsoever in IndyCar. Not because it's a rule. It's because you die if that happens. Yep. When two tires hit each other, that because they're uh, going to repeat this. These are open tire, open chassis race cars. And when two tires that are spinning at I don't know how many RPMs it takes to make a car go 240 miles an hour, but when those two tires rub, one of the car goes airborne. And this happens. Those are the worst accidents. Is mm-hmm. when that's why you will legitimately see more touching in one lap of a NASCAR race than you will in a whole entire race in IndyCar. But the, here's the thing is, coaches, these cars go up to 250 miles an hour. They go to 240, like, on typically on average. They'll average 220 on a race, okay? When you can go from 200 to 240 in a snap of the fingers, it's a lot different from going to 160 to 180, like, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, NASCAR's can. Yeah. So what happens is you'll see all kinds of passing. The racing is actually better in IndyCar because people can pass a lot easier. Mm-hmm. There's... You can, like, people will, like, you slow down and speed up in a much drastic, much more drastic rate in IndyCar, so that means leads to more passing that way. So if you like to see crashes, watch NASCAR. If you like to see great racing, watch IndyCar. There it is. There it is. Auto racing expert Joel Redwanska. I hesitate to uh, ask this question to you, Big Dome, but Cinemax Cindy uh, emailing in. And she wants to know, Ryan Briscoe is my favorite racer. She says he's in the pole position. Ask Joel what he thinks about the pole position. Uh, it's really good if you're Polish. <laughs> like I said, I hesitated for a good reason for that uh, particular. Actually, that response 
was probably better than a few others that you could have come up with. So thank you for that. No problem, Coach. Yes. No problem. All right. 888-463-6748. Dog and a coach with you up until 11 o'clock Memorial Day weekend. Hope you got a great weekend planned. Big Dog, I know you'll be out on the river making some money, giving some kayak tours. Should be a gorgeous weekend, and we certainly wish everybody out there uh, a great weekend. And we always give a reminder, Big Dog, uh, hopefully everybody stops and remembers what the weekend and the day off is all about. Oh, you know I will, Coach. I, I do, and I remind every single one of the people that go on my tour how special this weekend is. And I usually, you know, I'll, I'll say some type of poem mm-hmm. that is dedicated to a soldier or something like that. Yep. You have no idea. I, I get it done this weekend, Coach. We get into political arguments. The uh, country is as divided as it's ever been with the right and the left, and it's contentious, and it's uh, it's not a good state right now. It's not a real healthy state from a political standpoint, but... I think uh, the one thing or one of the very few things that kind of binds us all together is unbelievable respect for the young men and women and the older men and women serving in our military. That's It's kind of a common bind, bound, common uh, bind, I should say, between some of the contentious political parties. You, you know, Coach, I, I've always my, – my father was the tip of the bayonet in the Vietnam War. He was uh, – he was uh, – basically a, a, a computer specialist. He was the guy that, you know, like crawled out, radioed back in where they should be bombing. He was out there by himself constantly, you know, for days at a time by himself in the middle of the jungle. And, you know, so he, like his friends would tell me the stuff that he did. He never mentioned anything. And it's, it's, always, it's always been real special to me. And now that I have friends, and I very rarely bring these guys up, but I have people that I have grown up with that are now captains and lieutenants and majors, a few, a handful of people. They are in Afghanistan right now. It's, you know, I, I'll, I'll think about it. Like one day I'll be like, oh, man, this is really sucks, blah, 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 and I'll think what I'm doing. I'll be like, Mike Wilson right now is in a hole in Afghanistan. Who am I to complain yep. about anything that's going wrong with my life right now? Mm-hmm. And I, I really have made it a point to start making connections with my friends that are, that are, over, that are overseas right now. All of them are just ecstatic to hear from me. So it's like, it's cool, and I'm like starting to build up. I'm getting, a, I'm building up a Cub fan base of Marines and and uh, Army soldiers that are in either in Afghanistan and the few that are left in Iraq right now. Coach. David Olson, it does beg the question, the obvious question, a this year man visit to a base in Afghanistan. If it could be paid for, I yeah. will go. I will go to Afghanistan. Try to spread the word of uh, of uh, this year, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then when the Afghanistan's don't want to see me, I'm like, hey, we're getting out this year, man. They'll <laughs> love to see me. Heck yeah, heck yeah, this year, man. That's right. The this year, man uh, mantle could take on a whole different. Uh, the terminology could take on a whole different meaning. I, I like. I it. have so many. You the, the meanings are good. Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm also going to be a motivational speaker. Excellent. All these people. I don't. I can't do anything with my life. No, you can do it this year, man. So I, I got it all, Coach. I like that. Uh, I just hope the only negative would be is if this year man were to get kidnapped or taken away by the uh, Afghanistan or the Taliban or something. I'd hate to see that happen, and uh, I don't know we'd be able to get you out, Big Dog. I got it. They, Captain America, they've redubbed it uh, to make it uh, so they can put it in the theaters in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And trust me, Captain America loses in the one in Afghanistan. 
And they'll see me. They'll think I'm Captain America. They'll, they'll get awful tough, Coach, just because they saw the Afghanistan version of Captain America, huh. which goes to Captain Afghanistan, which doesn't roll off the tongue as well. <laughs> Not quite as smooth. I'm no, thinking no, they might look at you like a strange American and almost like a uh, scientific experiment and take see, samples I, from you and, and test you, and, you know, they'd be doing weird things, and then maybe put you out to stud, and you could mate with many Afghan women. Uh, one would be too many. Now, I have nothing against Afghanistan women. Burkas are hot. I love ankles. Okay. <laughs> but I, I got to tell you something. I got a Lily the Lilac now. Yes. I, I don't need any girl with some hot ankle because she's yeah. hot from the ankle I up. understand that. But if you're, you know, captured by the Taliban, you can't. Beggars can't be choosy, big dog. Just, just saying. I, so I can't choose the woman with the least amount of facial hair? <laughs> uh, you never know. You yeah. never know. All right. Uh, at any rate, a happy Memorial Day to everybody, and let us uh, let us remember what it is all about, particularly Absolutely. on Monday. And that message goes doubly for the young kids out there who sometimes mm-hmm. just look at it as a uh, day off of school. All right. Yeah, do- no, don't forget, these Memorial Days, when we have hundreds of thousands of U.S. citizens, men and women, boys and girls, basically, 18, 19 years old on the other side of the world who have basically no idea we're over there, it means something a little bit more. So if you have a friend... A relative, anybody over there, give them a shout out this weekend. Send yeah. them a message. Trust me, they love that you are getting that you're reminded that they're that someone knows that they're over there. Mm-hmm. They really appreciate it. So do it. Well said. Well said. No question about it. Dog and a coach with you up until eleven o'clock when I get to the uh, NBA and the big game yesterday. Big game tonight. Seven game seven, folks. I know there's not a lot of Boston and Philadelphia fans here in the city of Chicago. I don't know how many are watching nationwide, but. It's a game seven, but real quick, Big Dog, we mentioned safety precautions. I do got to bring up with you because you're a football guy. Give you a little football fix. By the way, the NFL, um, I was about to say the NFL draft coming up. What am I talking about? The NBA draft, not the NFL draft. Um, but there was a new league dictum passed by Roger Goodell, Big Dog, under safety precautions where players mandatory now. Mandatory will have to wear knee pad and thigh pad. Me and David Olson having a scintillating discussion before the show saying it's probably overrated. The reaction is not that big of a deal, but your thoughts, mandatory knee pads, thigh pads. I know some of the players have resisted. Um, I really, as, okay, uh, you know, you don't think I could be a coach for some reason, even though I've written up playbooks and done all this stuff. I even have the guidelines that everybody would have. I would put it out as this way. Uh, the NFL should stay out of it. If an idiot wants to go out there and not have knee pads or thigh boards on, let him go out there because that's called thinning the herd. Okay, uh, <laughs> but I would, I, I would just do this as, as a player. Oh, okay, you're my starting weak side cornerback, a guy that makes ten million dollars a year. You're critical to our team. Okay, you're not going to wear thigh boards. You're not going to wear knee pads. No hit. No hit pads. <clears throat> the one time all season that you ever are soft at the point of attack because you're afraid somebody might hit your precious legs, your money makers, I'm going to personally rip your pants down on the field and stuff the pads and send you back out there. <laughs> you, that that's, I, I, that I, sounds I, like our freshman. If you freshman... want to wear them, that's fine, but it better not affect your play at all. Do you understand what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I understand completely, and it sounds I can still remember the talk with our freshman basketball coach during tryouts, which was an unsuccessful venture for me, by the way, but... Uh, you know, I was trying out back in the 60s where long hair was very in vogue, shall we say. And uh-huh. I still remember the coach saying, hey, 
guys can wear your hair, you know, not a problem at all. You wear your hair any length, and we're all like, wow, you know, it's like any length you want. And he paused and said, but if during a game I see you one time running up and down the court, you take your hand and brush your hair out of your eyes, you're off the team. So that's it sounds like a similar addendum. You're basically saying, do what you want to do, but you better do what, what we want you to do. One of the greatest, you, no matter what he does, you're going to say it was a good idea and you're going to laugh. And you probably already know this story, but our guy, John Wood. Yes, I love this. The greatest coach in American history outside of uh, the woman who te- uh, who coaches uh, uh, lacrosse <laughs> at Northwestern. Kelly okay. Amante Hiller. Yes, okay. So it's basically so it's her and then Wooden. And I'm not kidding <laughs> Kelly Amante Hiller. You should be proud of that, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, John, Bill Walton, who was a pretty big-time recruit and was a great player back then, freshman, didn't get, get to play his sophomore and junior year. He's already won two national titles. UCLA is going into Walton's senior year is considered one of the greatest preseason teams ever. And to this day, they still might be one of the greatest preseason teams of all time when you think about going into a season like, wow, look at all the talent. Everybody was in the NBA on that team. Well, uh, Walton shows up first day of practice, and his hair is ridiculously long. And John Wooden pulls him aside. He's like, son, you're going you're gonna to have to go. I, I can't have you on this team with long hair. And Bill Walton goes about this whole, it's a freedom of choice. I'm one person and all that. And, and Coach Wooden is like, you know what, Bill, you're exactly right. I couldn't agree more with you. In, in America, you have these options. So here's your option. You don't get to play basketball at UCLA anymore because the guy, I, since I run the program, I have made a decision that people – are going to look like they're normal and have a hair that they can play a good, solid game of basketball in. Do you understand my options and my choices here, Mr. Walton? Uh, Bill Walton came with his hair really short and shorn the next day, and he's like, I'm ready to play basketball, Coach. So I, I don't know. It was one of those cool things. The best player in the country, if somebody does that nowadays, if a player goes into the coach, yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to keep my hair, blah, blah, blah. Okay, son, we I- understand. We understand. Can you, not what... Jadwin's like, you are the best college basketball player probably ever, and you're still going to follow my rules. I think he, I think he even said it more humorously, but Johnny Wooden was not exactly, uh, known for being, uh, you know, happy-go-lucky or for a sense of humor, but it was something to the effect of, you know, and it might have been in front of the team, might have been personal, but Bill, after, after Walton gave, like you said, his whole diatribe, Billy, I really respect that. I respect a man who stands by his morals, uh-huh. who's, <laughs> who's willing to stand up for what he believes in in these tumultuous times. You know, you have your views and you're standing by it. I really appreciate that strength of conviction. That's tremendous, Bill. And we're sure going to miss having, uh, we're sure going to miss you this year on the UCLA team. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> that, is, that is all it is. Yeah. I, I know I didn't have it right, but it was yeah. basically, I just like the fact that he wasn't going to get bullied yep. by the best player in the country. Yep. You know, who cares if you're the best player in the country? You're playing UC. There's a reason why you became this, because you played three mm-hmm. years in my program. All right, so and you I, think about him. in the NFL, you think uh, it's probably not good uh, procedure for the commissioner to demand it, to put a rule in, but it's almost like, you know, let the states decide, If you know, in, in politics. In this case, let the teams decide. The teams are going to decide under the safety of their players because they're paying them so much money. Yeah, you know, I, I really, I, I know that the NFL is under this whole brand new thing of, hey, we got to do what's for the safety of the player to avoid lawsuits. 
And so we don't look like we're a gladiator sport and moms quit having their sons play football and all that. I, I mean, I understand this whole dictum, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I don't like people. Well, you know what? If, if you're playing a sport and you wanna, you're going to make it mandatory to wear the specified equipment, I have no problem with that. If those guys have an issue with it, go find another job where they mm-hmm. could uh, risk their moneymakers. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just throw it out there. The guys who don't wear knee pads, and cyborgs and uh, hip pads, 90% of them are going to be wide receivers and defensive backs. Would you agree with that, Coach? There's, there's not going to be one defensive tackle in the NFL that doesn't wear cyborgs because the first thing you do to a defensive tackle is chop them and cut them. You know, and you mm-hmm. hit them right in their legs. So if you're not wearing yeah. cyborgs there, you're just a complete moron or you're too fat to put yeah. them in your pants. And, and the, I'm not the, the about players that. who complained about it, I think mostly were wide receivers. Well, see, here's the thing: is those guys are prima donnas. If you're a weak side corner in the NFL and you get put out on an island, you know what you talk about? I'm the fastest dude in the league. I'm the fastest dude in the team. You know, and somebody even you joke around with these guys. I play football, coach. I would Eric Council talk smack all day long. He was an All-American corner. I would joke around and and hit him in his leg, like punch him in his thigh, like Charlie Horsham. He would freak out. These are my money makers. Don't hit me in my leg. And I'd be like, then why don't you wear sideboard? And then he would just shut up. He wouldn't know what to say. And I was like, well, yeah, Eric, if those are your money makers, why don't you wear pads on your leg? So it's a college thing, too, Coach. There are college players who don't even put these. This has been going on forever. Jim Brown did it, and everybody thought it was cool. I don't know why Jim, Jim Brown got away with not doing them. But to play running back and not have five. Coach, if I'm about to tackle Jim Brown, and I'm being honest with you, I have never gone low on anybody on purpose. I always tackled high because that makes a person go backwards, okay? If Jim Brown was coming at me, I'm going low, okay? You can have that extra yards, Mr. Brown. I know I'm not getting you down. How could he not wear sideboard? That was, of all the guys that didn't wear it, Jim Brown to me was the craziest. He really was the incredible Hulk playing football, wasn't he? If it were if it were me, I'd be I'd look like a hockey goalie out there. <laughs> I would I would have so many pads on to protect myself. I might not be able to move, but damn it, I wouldn't get hurt. But uh, I don't I, I didn't remember. You know, obviously I remember the player Jimmy Brown. I forgot what pads or what. I know back then they certainly didn't have the padding that they've got now. Not even no. close. Yeah. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it. I hate to say. It. I hope I'm wrong to some extent. I guess I got to think about that actually when I make my comment. I think you'll see what I'm talking about. I think I'm hope I'm wrong, but my, my intuition says it's the sport that we both love, Big Dog, and so many people out there love the National Football League. I don't think this is going away. I think, it's, and it's not the beginning of the end. Well, maybe it is. Way, 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 way down the road. But I do think the sport of football is going to change now. This injury, concussion, danger thing from youth football right up to when we see it in pro games right now, instead of appreciating the big hit more and more now, we're going to be thinking, oof, does this guy have a family? Does he have kids? And I, I do think the game of football is going to be changing. Coach, it, it is changing. And and I've said this, you know, it's funny, you always call me the barbarian. Just because I will defend Jerome Harrison or James Harrison, all these guys that uh, that I think are making legitimate football plays, all of a sudden get fined $50,000. When, when you launch and you set somebody up, that's a totally different thing. But I, I hear the way you solve it is you get, you teach, uh, you teach 
coaches and youth believe what a concussion is. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do. Absolutely, 100%, the more concussion awareness we have for parents that play sports, and it's not just football parents, it's hockey, it's baseball, it's soccer. Yes, you can get a concussion running into somebody at full speed, both trying to head the ball, and actually, you know, smash I, two schools together. Can I give okay. you a real-life example? Please. Happened to me last weekend. Uh, I'm coaching a seventh-grade team. The game before us looked like maybe fourth-graders. Maybe fifth grade. Two kids collided, head-to-head contact, and they were both on the ground for close to a minute, minute and a half. They didn't get right up. Both had to be, you know, the coaches came out, and it was not a bounce-back-up situation. Took them a while to get up. Both on the same team, by the way. They both go over to the bench, and, of course, my little concussion awareness syndrome is sitting in, and within probably the next whistle, both kids are at the table. It was a close game. And even even I just started watching the game, you could tell they were two of their better players. Both kids ready to check back into the game. Both of them entered the game, and now I'm thinking in my head, you know, do I say something? And here's what I did, and you tell me how you would have reacted. The referee working my sideline next to the bleachers, I, I actually, during the game, while the game was going, I go, ref. You know, those two kids are back in the game. You know, in this day and age, it can cut. I don't know what they should be. You probably want to say something to the coach. And the ref was a young guy. He just kind of raised his arms, gave me the look. And I was, you know, I was debating. You know, do I stop the game and say, hey, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I didn't. I kept an eye on the two kids. And if I would have seen any kind of dizziness, I think I would have done that. It looked like they were ready to play. But was that the right thing to do? Real life situation, Big Doug. What do you do? At least you mentioned it. Okay, honestly. You need to say something to the ref. Hey, did you get a look at those kids when they came back in? Do they look coherent? Do they look normal? There's but, nothing wrong with that, Coach. Don't feel like okay. all of a sudden you're the – I make fun of you for being too soft sometimes. You are a parent. You're a coach. I know these are the other team, but you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with what you did, and more of that should happen. So, uh, and, and uh, you know, we, we're, if you don't mind getting back to football, I think you did the right thing. Well, but, but let me ask you real quick medically – and maybe you don't know this, but if not, I know you play a doctor here sometimes on the show. The fact that they didn't appear dazed and they're okay running up and down the court, is, is there still the potential with the brain bouncing up and down that they could be, even though they didn't appear dizzy or dazed, that they still could be doing some harm to the brain? Uh, well, I, I, I'm going to say this, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty simple in, in order to figure this out. I, I want you to consider this, Coach. Uh, Junior say ever diagnosed with a concussion. Do you think 20 years of NFL football, three years at USC, you know, he never got a concussion? Don't tell me he wasn't running around a football field. Greatest middle linebacker or strong side backer, depending on what time of his career was, in the league. So just because those kids were running around doesn't mean they weren't concussed. Okay. And, and, and here's the thing that this wasn't my point that I want to say to everybody. We continually say we gotta teach we gotta teach uh, football coaches at the youth level what a concussion is, and like I said, that is correct. But the most important thing that we need to do is change the way kids value a big play in football. We need to have them learn that when you run into somebody, you I, I've said it before, but coach, this is so important. Instead of valuing the huge, massive hit. Value this. Sure tackling 
and people who get the football make the football the prize, not the target, the human being as the, the prize. You see what I'm saying? If you make, hey, I'm the type of ball player that never misses a tackle, and when I tackle people, I punch the ball out. Okay, then all of a sudden, I was always the guy, and you can rip me and you can make fun of me, whatever you want. I didn't know. I was taught, see, when I grew up and I was in eighth grade, you can say what you want, coach. I was, after Sonny Nuccio, the hardest hitting player on our team. And when I went to high school, and you know what I became? I became the hammer. When we needed a yard, we ran behind Redwanski. When the quarterback needed to go down, they made sure I was the one hitting the quarterback. And they taught me to be a bloodthirsty human, and I led with the butt of my head. And I can't tell you how many times the butt of my head hit another helmet as hard as I possibly could. I was trained to be a pit bull. When I, when I played football at McMurray College, they gave me a certain label. They called me the assassin. It was as simple as that. They put certain situations on blitzes, and they were like, if you do not hurt the quarterback and knock him out of the game, you're not doing your job. Looking back now, the coach should have just been like this to me. Your job is to get to the quarterback, and what you need to do is strip the ball from the quarterback, Redwanski. Take it out of his hand, okay? If you're a linebacker, don't go for the big hit. There's a ball there. Force the ball out. And, and that, that's what has to happen. That might sound too simple, coach, but there needs to be an emphasis on playmaking and playmakers, guys who break on the football and not the human being. And let me remind this again. When you tackle somebody, you tackle with your nipples, your head up for two things. One, you don't break your neck. Two, you don't give yourself or the other guy a concussion. And three, you miss half the tackles. You do not miss tackles when you tackle with your chest, okay, because your head's up and you see the guy. And you know what? Your hands are free then and they can pop the football out. And, yes, you'll, people will say this to you. Oh, you tackle like Erlacher. He doesn't hit hard. You ask any running back in the NFL if Brian Erlacher hits hard because Brian Erlacher plays football the 22nd century way. Watch. He doesn't lead with the head. He doesn't hit people with his head. He hits people right with his chest, and he never misses tackles, Coach, unless it's Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Sean Payton. And... The most, still the craziest missed tackle ever was Tom Brady zero shakes with his, the most <laughs> sure-fire tackle in all of football, and Brian Erlacher misses. Tom Brady. But you, you understand what I'm getting? Yeah. We need you, people like you who coach youth football, need to teach the proper way to tackle. And the emphasis is the football and not the person. Well, you, you see what I'm getting at, Coach? Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you say from the safety precautions and not using the head. I, I do think, though, to be honest with you, if you emphasize tackle on the football too much, you forget the fact that uh, you got to tackle the runner. No, no, no. Stop no, the runner. No, 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 no. You, you, you are not thinking. My point is when you tackle somebody, yeah. you tackle with your head up. I'm not, trust me, I am not about to say I'm giving up. You will have more tackles. More people will be brought to the ground if you tackle my way. You will miss okay. less It's just the, the way you were describing it could be misconstrued where you want the players just it. going for the football. you got to wrap them up first and wrap them up safely. Hit them hard, but hit them safely. And then after you wrap them up, then try to dig out the football. When your head is down and you're not looking at the tackler and you're trying to use your head as a weapon, you are now not looking at the player. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like an alligator. If, you, if, you, if everybody bends over and then just reaches out in front of them, that's what you kind of look like at the last second if you're leading with the head. What yeah. I'm teaching you to do is keep your head up, you drop your butt, 
and all of a sudden your hands are free, and you see where the ball's at, and while you're tackling somebody, you can punch the ball out, Coach. David, we got to get the big dog to uh, probably when, uh, maybe in July and August, these youth football leagues across the country had their coaches' meetings in preparation for the season. You would be a phenomenal featured speaker, Big Dog. I may have to. Uh, would you mind if I was your agent for that? Absolutely, I would love to do this, right. Coach. You... I was I was taught how to tackle in eighth grade. Completely wrong. They taught us to lead with the head. Okay, I'm not kidding you. That's how they taught us. You and me could probably. I don't think you... they'll pay us any salary, but the two of us could split the ten dollar Target gift card. They might get you for appearing. That's that's quite all right. But I learned how to tackle in college, all and right. it was when it's that's the way to do it. Okay. Very good. Well-spoken, my friend. Well-spoken with passion and intelligence, a rare combination on the radio these days, sports or otherwise. 888-463-6748, the phone number, dog, and the coach with you up until 11 o'clock here. Time winding down. Big dog, we got to bring up the Miami Heat, who about the four or five days ago were down two games to one to Indiana. They complete the three-game mini run. Dwayne Wade, 40 one points. He was simply amazing. LeBron James playing an assisting role yesterday. But the Miami Heat, my friend, move on when people were doubting them. Uh, I, I was doubting them, too. And, uh, I mean, uh, I didn't see the game last night. But ever since they were down 2-1, and then they were down late against Indiana and could possibly go down 1-3, they have played phenomenal the last yep. 2.25 games, and they close or 3.25 games, and close the series up. The Heat, when they get uh, when they get motivated, they're they're really good, even when they're short handed. Because yeah. I mean, the guy, the LeBron James, is the best player in, in the league. He just has to get over the hurdle of thinking he's the best player yeah. in the league. Or and we we the mentioned player. the seven greatest of all time. We talked about the players not currently playing, but I do think when LeBron James finishes, uh, he and Kobe Bryant are going to make it. You know, the nine greatest. That ever played. And if you didn't hear the program before, we were talking about Chamberlain, Russell, and um, Jabbar. Oscar Robertson, Bird, Magic, and Michael Jordan. Huh? I'm predicting this. After this postseason, you're going to tell me Tim Duncan is one of the eight greatest players of all time. That's what you're going to tell me. He's close. We talked about that. He's, He's nipping at the butt. I wouldn't quite put him there, but you're right. A championship run here with Duncan featured in San Antonio, and that series is going to be fun to watch. San Ann and Oklahoma City, if they ever start. But uh, that's going to be fun to watch. And you're right, Tim Duncan could, with a great series, elevate himself to that uh, particular mantle. Now, let me ask you this. I think this is an interesting topic, and it brings us a little bit to the discussion of, you know, the backup quarterback steps in and wins three games in a row, and, the you know, the star quarterback who was playing well. Gets injured, and but the backups got the team on a roll. Chris Bosh injured. He's not out for the entire playoffs. But since he's been out, instead of a three-man show, the two-man show has worked beautifully. I heard one of no, no, it wasn't one of the. It was the Indiana Pacers coach, Frank Vogel, who said, "You know what?" Uh, he said he complimented Bosh. Said Bosh is a phenomenal player, but now all of Bosh's touches. Go to LeBron James, and he smiled, and he said, that didn't exactly work out too well for us. So my question is, Bosh comes back healthy? Do you do the Miami Heat? You almost don't want him to play. You're on such a roll right now. Could mm-hmm. they be better with two stars and not three? Absolutely, they'll be better with Bosh in the next round. you got to figure Wait, out who Absolutely? Yes, I think so. Really? They're going to play Kevin Garnett. Uh, if you're playing Kevin Garnett, I would like Chris Bosh on the court. <laughs> okay? You see what I've got there, Coach? They're playing, if they're playing the Sixers, 
I could understand what you're saying. I could totally, completely understand with what you're saying. You need a matchup with Kevin Garnett because Kevin Garnett is the biggest pain in the butt in the whole NBA. And if you don't have somebody at least being a pain in his butt, he will make plays all over the court and just irk you. And you'd be like, dang, Garnett had 15 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists. And somehow it seemed like he made play. Him and Rondo, they, they play above their stats. And I, I, if they're playing the Celtics, they need Chris Boschko. But I, I completely understand Vogel's comment. Because who's the power forward? David West? You know, yep. you would think David West should be totally ashamed of himself because David West, should have taken over the series for the uh, for the Indiana Pacers. You're talking about a former All-Star that is going up against Joel Anthony. Okay, there's you need to say, you know what? I know Granger. You're a better player. You know, and all you guys have uh, like strong points. My strong point is I'm better than Joel Anthony, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to get open and get the ball. But instead. You had wait, the Indiana Pacers had too many people waiting somebody else to take over in at least the game before that I watched. The game that I watched the game where Larry Bird was like their SOFT, and he was right. There was nobody wanted the basketball coach. And the whole time I'm like, David West, go get the ball. Ten seconds, big dog. I love the Cubs. I love you. <laughs> I love David Olson. Goodbye, everybody. And to all the Twitter followers, I just want to thank you, coach. I am blowing up out there. Blowing up. Thank you. Beautiful. Big Dog, have a great weekend. Phenomenal job today, my friend. Thisyearman.com, everyone. To all our listeners out there, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Monday off. We'll talk to you Tuesday at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great Memorial Weekend. David Olson, our producer, great job as always. 10 o'clock Tuesday, folks. Don't be late.